0: Now we have a massive pseudo-event where the president says fake news going on. The media playing the Democrat role, the Democrat playing the media role. So we have these four reprobates, and that's exactly what they are. Three are out-of-the-closet anti-Semites, anti-American, so-called Democratic Socialists. They've spent months trashing America. Months with outrageous comments about Jews and Israel. Months about outrageous comments about the Border Patrol and ICE that are detention centers actually built mostly by Obama are like concentration camps and on and on. They've been celebrated by the media. The Democrat Party doesn't police itself. And over the weekend, the president had enough. And that's the bottom line. So look, you don't like it, get out. Well, I'm actually from Detroit, and I'm actually from St. Paul, Minneapolis, and I'm actually from Massachusetts. Only Omar is originally from uh, Somalia, and so you got that wrong, and, and obviously you're racist because these are four women of color. Uh, is that what the president said? And Nora O'Donnell had her debut as the host of CBS Evening News, and she was disgusting. They must have said "women of color" four, five, six, seven times. Called the president a racist. Absolutely disgusting. She should be over at MSNBC or CNN. The president is not a racist. He hasn't done anything that indicates he's a racist. In his tweets over the weekends, and uh, weekend, and into the early uh, part of this week, he never said anything about race or sex, genitalia, nothing, zero. Nothing. Now, unlike Omar and Talib and AOC that have said repeatedly anti-Semitic things. Repeatedly. Including the case of AOC accusing Pelosi of being a racist. And by the way, Joe Biden's been accused of being a racist. But of course they forget that. It's all in on Trump. So, I want to tell you what just happened on the House floor. Also, I want to talk about Iran. We have a whole propaganda effort in this country now by Iran through its foreign minister, meeting with certain Code Pink Republican senators and some Democrats, meeting with certain members of the press, trying to weasel their way into the Oval Office. They want to negotiate missiles. Missiles? Nuclear warheads? You know, the difference between Iran and North Korea, that is, the difference between Kim currently in North Korea and the Iranian regime, the current Iranian regime, is the current Iranian regime has killed thousands of American soldiers. Kim has not. Of course, his grandfather did, but I'm talking about Kim. And it is my great hope that the Code Pink Republican Wing Of the Republican Party and the media, and perhaps in the administration, does not succeed in this effort. Because it's one thing to come into office with North Korea having nuclear warheads, thanks to Obama. It's another thing to leave the presidency in Iran having nuclear warheads, which they didn't have before, when this president leaves. That would be a disaster. And the other difference is, as much as Kim and Xi and Putin are genocidal maniacs. Genocidal maniacs. They want to live. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, I think, has a death wish. It's a religious, ideological approach to things. So we'll get into that a little bit more later. But on the House of Representatives... The fraud that's taking place—it's politics all the time. Whether it's these committee chairmen and their subpoenas, or what have you, or whether it's these four—the squad—I got to come up with a name for that. Now on the Senate, now on the House floor, Nancy Pelosi violates House rules. Now she's been in the House of Representatives for over 30 years. She's been Speaker twice. She was the majority leader, the minority leader. She doesn't know that on the floor of the House you can't accuse somebody of being a racist. But I guess all the rules are out the window when you attack the President of the United States, right? You can do it on TV, on any news network, and in a newsroom, so why not do it on the floor of the House? So let me read how NBC explains it. A vote to wrap President Donald Trump for his tweets about four Democratic House members was trapped in partisan gridlock after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi referred to the president's racist tweets, quote-unquote. A Republican objected, that would be Collins, the uh, ranking minority member on the uh, Judiciary Committee. (coughs) Excuse me. And the residing House chair stormed off amid the delay. Proceedings were delayed for nearly two hours as the House in session to vote on the president's tweets. Notice, they won't vote on securing the border. They won't vote for for physical barriers on the border. But this is what they spend their time doing. Voted first on the propriety of Pelosi's remarks about Trump's remarks and whether she would be allowed to keep making remarks. These comments from the White House are disgraceful and disgusting, and the comments are racist. Too bad she wasn't as aggressive in in talking about Omar with her outrageous anti-Semitic comments. The president did not make any racist comment. He didn't refer to race once. Every single member of this institution, she said, Democratic and Republican, should join us in condemning the president's racist tweets. To do anything less would be a shocking rejection of our values and a shame. And now this is the party for infanticide. This is the party that's created the chaos on the border. This is the party that tolerates and in fact celebrates these anti-Semites. To do anything less would be a shocking rejection of our values and shameful abdication of our oath of office to protect the American people. I urge a unanimous vote. Representative Doug Collins, Republican (laughs) George, asked Pelosi if she would like to rephrase her comment. Excuse me. (coughs) Got it. So Collins asks her if she would like to rephrase her comment. Pelosi said she'd cleared her, quote, cleared my remarks with the parliamentarian before I read them. Referring to the House's rules referee. Collins persisted. I made a point of order that the gentlewoman's words are unparliamentary, and her words be taken down. The proceedings were then put on hold for over an hour as Collins' request was considered. After the 60-minute mark, listen to this, presiding chair Emmanuel Cleaver, I have to give this guy kudos, Emmanuel Cleaver. I have to give him kudos. I know he's a liberal and he's a Democrat. I give him kudos. He decided he'd had enough and chastised both sides for rushing the vote and escalating tensions. Quote, We don't ever, ever want to pass up, it seems, an opportunity to escalate. That's what this is, he said. We want to just fight. I abandoned the chair. So he walked off. He's been around for decades. He said, I've had enough of this. And he walked off. A short time later, the number two Democrat in the House, Majority Leader Stempy Hoyer, took the chair and announced Pelosi's comments have been found not in order. In other words, she violated the decorum of the House and House rules. She'd think it was one of her incoherent press conferences. So she is found to have violated House rules by the parliamentarian. Her number two, the majority leader, the Democrat number two in the House has to say she's not in order. But then Hoyer then called a vote on whether the comments should be stricken from the record. Yeah, she's out of order. She's been ruled out of order. That violates our decorum. That violates House rules. We're not supposed to do this sort of thing. But let's have a vote because we control the House to see if she can keep those comments in the record. And guess what happened? She won. Pelosi's comments are allowed to be recorded and they stand and a 232 to 190 vote, I just hope all you Republicans in these swing districts who voted for these Democrats understand that every single Democrat, as far as I can tell, voted to allow this, including the phony moderates that you elected. Now, because she'd been found out of order, Pelosi was barred from making comments on the House floor. Like, you understand how humiliating this is. This moron Pelosi doesn't even know the rules. I I I got this approved beforehand. Apparently not. Apparently not. Pelosi was barred from making comments on the house floor for the rest of the day. But Democrats voted to allow her to keep talking. Again along party lines. So you're supposed to be banned, that's your punishment, but the Democrats, hey, the rules don't apply to us. They don't apply to Pelosi. Not only will her words stand in the record, but she can talk all she wants. Of course, they're not a collection of dictators, are they? In a closed-door meeting with House Democrats ahead of the proceeding, Pelosi said, these are our sisters, Talib, Omar, Cortez, and Presley. I just want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen... The Pelosi just called these radical, hate America, anti-Semites, certainly three of them, our sisters. The problem is bigger than the squad, as they call themselves so affectionately. Presley said yesterday, we're bigger than four. They are bigger than four. The Democrat majority in the House of Representatives is socialist and very tolerant of anti-Semitism and filled with race baiters. Filled with race baiters. And their actions today on the floor of the House of Representatives proves it. Proves it. Trump's tweets don't come anywhere close to what Omar has said. And written. They don't come anywhere close to what Talib has written and said in her association with the Hezbollah mouthpiece. Or what AOC said about concentration camps and more. Doesn't even come close. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. What the hell is the House of Representatives doing for the American people? Can you name one thing? Are they addressing the debt? No, they're driving up the debt. Are they addressing the border? No, they insist that the border be open. What the hell is the House of Representatives doing for the American people? Are they making it easier to access medical care at a a reasonable price by opening up markets? No. No. First of all, they want to dis- destroy what's left of the private market. They want to destroy Medicare. But in the fa- in fact, they haven't done anything. Zero. Absolute do-nothing Democrats. All they do is investigate Trump. All they do is call Trump a racist. All they do is attack white, straight males, Christian males, over and over and over and over again. We're supposed to sit here and take it in the nose. And uh, if somebody objects, maybe they're not using a perfect language or perfect examples or elocution or what have you, we understand what the president meant. He's had enough of this crap. He's had enough of the hate America stuff. He's had enough of the anti-Semitism. He's had enough of the attacks on Israel. It's gratuitous. And he knows that in the case of Omar, she and her family fled here via Kenya from originally Somalia, and what did I say last night, Mr. Beducer? Show some gratitude. Be grateful. Instead of hateful. Now, while it's true, Talib was born in America. Her parents weren't. They're Palestinians from the Middle East. It's the same thing. So the president says, go back where you came from. Okay, people don't like that. I got it. I understand. But the sentiment is, How can you come to a country like this or your parents come to a country like this and hate it so thoroughly? We're not talking about differences of opinion. You trash the nation as systemically racist and yet you're evidence that it's not true. You came to this country. You were admitted into this country. You became citizens of this country. You're members of the United States House of Representatives. This is what the president's saying. Everybody knows it. Instead, Phony journalists after phony journalists going on and on about the president's racist, Isn't it amazing that exactly what the House leadership says is exactly what anchors and hosts and so-called journalists say? They say exactly the same thing. Nora O'Donnell in CBS News last night was a disgrace. You would have thought she worked for uh, CNN. Here's a little taste of it. Let's get cut 10 ready, Mr. Producer. If you got it, go ahead.
2: Good evening. It's good to be with you. We begin with breaking news in Washington. Four Democratic congresswomen of color have just spoken publicly. Now stop as a... right
0: there. Democratic congresswomen of color. What does that have to do with anything? If they were congressmen of no color making these comments. Trump slams Joe Biden. Trump slams Bernie Sanders. Trump used to slam Ted Cruz and Rambo. Everybody. Those aren't women of color. Last time I checked. Go ahead. First time
2: about the racist tweets aimed at them by the president of the United so States. So the president
0: has made racist tweets, according to Noah, Nora O'Donnell, against women of color. She says it. And her reporter on the scene says that they must say it four, five, six times. Four, five, six times. They're lying. That's not what he said. I'll be right back. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arnn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
1: Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of talk radio. Call them at 877-381-3811. That's
0: 877-381-3811. I've looked at Amazon during the break. It's amazing. This uh, Amazon Prime is still going on. Now, they can pull the plug at any time, and they might. It typically doesn't go on for a very long time. They try to make it uh, unpredictable, and it is unpredictable. Uh, Some of you took advantage of this last night. I want to encourage you to continue to do it because uh, I don't know when they're going to pull the plug, but they do. They don't do this forever because they obviously uh, per unit sale would be a problem for them. Even though they're the richest company on the face of the earth, nobody's crying tears for them. That said, if you want to get a copy of Unfreedom with a press for $12.67, it's 40% off. And then when you go to checkout, you, uh, you go to Prime Book 19, you enter Prime Book 19, you get an additional $5 off. It comes to $12.67. The retail price of the book is $28. So if you're thinking way ahead to the holidays, like Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate, or you're thinking ahead to somebody's birthday or some other event, a graduation and so forth, I mean, literally, that is, I don't know, somebody can do the calculation, I don't have time, $28 retail down to $12.67, you're not going to get that anywhere. And this is the second day they're doing it, and I don't know when they'll cut this off. I'm just being honest with you, they don't tell anybody, and they certainly don't tell me. So this is Amazon Prime, and now we have people who are going on my Twitter site. You know, it seems like the people who go on my Facebook site, not all, but the vast majority, are far more... respectable respectable and respectful than the people who go on Twitter. Twitter seems to attract, in many cases, real low lives. So they go on there and say, it must be a bonus sale. It's not a bonus sale. It's not a, you know, it's it's not on the discount rack. It's there with all the other books. You must be money hungry. $12.67 a book. How much do you think I make off this book? No, I'm not money hungry. But of course, these are the socialists who want to redistribute my wealth and your wealth who say that we're money hungry. I'm pushing a message. Nora O'Donnell last night proved the basic premise of unfreedom of the press. What you're seeing going on now proves the basic premise of unfreedom of the press. Why do you think other books get all this attention by these networks and they pretend this book doesn't exist? No. Why do you think Wikipedia, day in and day out, continues to only run with a handful of negative reviews but ignores all the other reviews? It's propaganda. That's why. That's why. And so if you want to secure your copy at the cheapest price you're ever going to get it, Unfreedom of the Press is on Amazon.com now. It's 40% off. But then if you're a Prime member at checkout... That's when you enter Prime Book 19, you get another $5 off, and it's $12.67. And then I read, there, I'm just telling you what I saw. If you have a total order of 35 bucks, then you get free shipping. You can actually buy like three books. They don't have to all be my books. I'm just saying you, you can buy three books. You'll wind up with a discount, the $5 off, plus free shipping. You're not going to get that anywhere else. I'm just telling you. So I encourage you to do that if you have time. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Let's go to cut two, Mr. Producer. Joe Biden, go.
3: Look, there has never been a president
4: in American history who's been is so openly
0: racist and divisive. I don't know what he's talking about. This president has been openly racist. I, I am uh, extraordinarily frustrated and troubled by all this, folks. I really am. How the left is tearing this country apart. And it started in a very affirmative and aggressive way with Barack Obama. But it's actually gotten worse since his administration. The way people talk now, that everybody's a white supremacist or a white nationalist, if they disagree with them and you happen to be white, that is so demeaning and so outrageous. Or if you want to secure the border, the old-fashioned way that people get in line and come through legally, that you're a xenophobe or a racist, it's so unconscionable to treat people this way and talk about them this way to reject all knowledge and factual information about how these detention centers came to be about the democrat party's role in first wanting to secure the border then saying it's a manufactured crisis then opposing every effort to secure the border to ignore it's not ancient history modern recent history of this party where they claim the high road of empathy and morality is appalling. Absolutely appalling. The Democrat Party has created the chaos on the southern border. The media have created the chaos on the southern border. They've been lying about what's taking place. Now they're lying about who's responsible for this. Pretty damn incredible. But this language which is now so loosely thrown out there, calling people racists, and coming from actual racists and coming from actual anti Semites, we're all supposed to view Omar, Talib, AOC, and Presley as victims. They're not victims, they're perpetrators. And the media celebrate them. The media promote them on their Sunday shows and elsewhere. It's just like this soccer lady. Megan, what's her face? She's on Meet the Press? If she had been a Trump supporter and a conservative, would she be on Meet the Press? Would she be on CNN? Would she be on MSNBC, on Rachel Maddow? Of course not. She'd be trashed. She'd be attacked. Incredible to me. And to watch these cowardly Republicans, now more and more of them are finally standing up since I did my show last evening, but to watch these cowardly Republicans like Romney and the others pile on, it's incredible to me. Where was Romney? When Omar repeatedly attacked Jews. Where was Romney? When Talib took a picture with a support of Hezbollah. And they were embracing and celebrating each other. Where was Romney? When AOC called our detention centers concentration camps. He was nowhere. He's a coward, he's a fool, he's a buffoon. He's one of the reasons we got four years more of Obama. And now we have Joe Biden. A creepy, stupid man. Touching women, touching little girls. Oh, he does that, Joe, Joe, lunch bucket Joe. Joe's never eaten out of a lunch bucket in his life. Blue-collar Joe. Joe's never done a blue-collar job in his life. Moderate Joe. Joe's never been moderate in his life. And now Joe declares that this president, the greatest racist we've ever had. Actually, Joe, you're one of the great racists in American history. The way you treated Clarence Thomas as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Not only that, you and the others on that committee. Miguel Estrada. A brilliant lawyer who was up for a circuit court position. oh I have a long memory. Miguel Estrada was stopped. They tried to destroy him. They tried to extend and extend and extend his nomination they were afraid that he might wind up being the first Hispanic on the Supreme Court. And they needed to save that for a leftist. So he was taken out. Last time I checked, neither one of them are white. Last time I checked. So I've been around long enough to see these games. I've been around long enough to watch this stuff. And it turns my stomach. That the party of slavery, the party of segregation, the party of Jim Crow, the party of anti-Semitism now passes resolution attacking a president. Or unemployment among minorities, black, Hispanics, Asians, women, lowest in modern times, in some cases lowest in recorded history. Does that sound like a racist to you? This is a president who supports legal immigration. It's a president that was going to deal to get, going to do a deal that would give 1.2 million illegal aliens eventually citizenship. Does that sound like a racist to you? This is a man who in his private life has hired tens of thousands of individuals regardless of their race or gender or what they do with their gender. Does that sound like a racist to you? What has Omar done? Or AOC done? Or Talib done? For black people, for brown people, for people period. What have they done? Nothing. Zero. Zero. Why isn't there a resolution against Nancy Pelosi who is called a racist effectively by AOC? This speaker Is a joke, a pathetic, pathetic disgrace. She politicizes these committees. She politicizes the use of subpoenas. She politicizes the entire House floor. Pelosi from San Francisco, a magnificent city that's dying. As a result of her party and her leadership and the leadership of leftists just like her. Dying. One of the most beautiful cities on the face of the earth. Only leftists can destroy a city like that. And their beautiful state, California, of which I was a citizen for a short period of time. Everybody when I was a kid, teenager, young man, wanted to move to California... The golden state, the state of opportunity. That's where you can make it. You can make it as an actor. You can make it as an academician. You can make it rich uh, as an entrepreneur. If you needed a job, you can make it as a plumber, electrician, a builder. Everybody went to California. Not anymore. What happened? The Democrats is what happened. They're like locusts who destroy the places they inhabit, destroy the places they control. Before California was New York. Everybody wanted to go to New York. Magnificent New York, New York City, nothing like it. Now it's virtually unlivable. The taxes, the crime is back. Streets are filthy again. You're a small business. The regulations and the taxes, they're never ending. I don't know how the cops and the firefighters and the emergency personnel can even survive in that city on their their income. Many of them don't. This is what the Democrats do. They're poisonous. Their politics is poisonous. Donald Trump, in his wildest dream, I'm sure, never thought that he would be called a racist, repeatedly. A white supremacist, a neo-Nazi. There's absolutely nothing in his background or his life that even suggests it. But they take a word out of context, a criticism out of context, a tweet out of context, and they destroy you. And they destroy you. I'll be right back. the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimis is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimis is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than The Wall Street Journal and The New York Times. And recent Imprimis publications have addressed issues like free speech, Welcome to Hillsdale. They always start the question with a public, do you agree with the president's tweets? Is that when it started, ladies and gentlemen, with the president's tweets? Shouldn't the first question be, do you agree with Omar's rabid and repeated anti-Semitic comments? Do you agree with Talib's rabid and anti-Semitic comments and her association with a Hezbollah mouthpiece? Do you agree with AOC and her reference to Holocaust concentration camps and our detention centers? Do you agree with those? Democrats. I watched this disgusting CBS Nightly News with Nora O'Donnell, and she was pathetic. No wonder they're number three in ratings. 6.7 million viewers. I want to give you some context for that. It's the only context I have, and I know. 6.7 million average viewers every weeknight. Prime time. Free TV. This past Sunday, Pastor Hagee and I had 1.5 million viewers. In fact, in the first quarter hour, we had 1.8 million. And the vast majority of you stayed throughout the full hour from 11 p.m. Eastern, excuse me, from 10 p.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern. Imagine if the show was primetime and imagine if it was on network TV. She gets 6.7 million viewers. Primetime, free network TV. I get 1.5 million viewers 10 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday night. Now think about that. That's how good our show is and how bad they are. And that's why. And they don't care. Because these massive international corporations own these newsrooms. And they can subsidize failing ratings, because that's not their main business. Whether it's Comcast owning NBC and MSNBC or AT&T owning CNN. Doesn't matter. We absolutely need to engage on these issues. the the left wants to destroy all private health care. you hear me suburbs? you hear me out there in the suburbs the left wants to destroy all private sector health care, Medicare and run everything through Bernie Sanders and the VA. I'll be right back.
1: from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin
0: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 877-381-381 I want to get to Iran in a moment and at the bottom of the hour uh, Liz Cheney is scheduled to be on the program um, she would be the number four Republican I guess in the House of Representatives there's a wonderful piece by Adam Credo in the Washington Free Beacon he's a great writer and that is a great sight and I want to read this to you at least in part if not in whole so you can understand what's taking place truthfully and how the unfree press are ignoring it. Remember what we've said. There's many ways for the press to spread propaganda and pseudo-events, and one of them is by omission. The Trump administration, listen, is working on multiple fronts to investigate and combat a rising tide of anti-Semitism in America that top officials warned is spreading across the country via a network of far-left, anti-Israel activists, who seek to mainstream hatred against Jews at the nation's college campuses and elsewhere. And this is the problem with Omar, Talib, AOC, and the rest. During a day-long conference, the first of its kind for this administration, and I don't believe the uh, Obama administration held such a conference, senior administration officials from across the government gathered with legal experts and scholars to address the growing threat of anti-Semitism which has resurged in America and across the globe in recent years, and certainly in the Democrat Party and in the media, my comment. The forum comes amid disclosures by the FBI that hate crimes in the United States have risen steadily since 2014, with anti-Jewish hate crimes consistently comprising more than half of the totals for each year. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, me speaking again, we can't look at immigration as a potential issue, can we? No, 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 no. That'd be racist. Organized by the Department of Justice, senior Trump administration officials from the Education, Treasury, and State Departments joined together to discuss a range of actions the government is taking to prevent federal dollars from being spent on college programs that seek to mainstream anti-Israel ideologies. No, you don't understand. What we need is free college. So all young Americans can partake in this kind of hate indoctrination. The Department of Education has already launched a formal investigation into how nearly a quarter of a million dollars in federal grant dollars were awarded to Duke and the University of North Carolina for a series of events that featured uh, speakers and organizations tied not just to anti-Semites, but also known terror organizations. Officials provided disturbing information about the uptick in anti-Jewish violence across the U.S., Far too often, Jews and Jewish communities in America suffer outside the spotlight, Attorney General William Barr said as he kicked off the event. New York City this past year has seen a sharp uptick in attacks on Orthodox Jews, particularly in Crown Heights neighborhood. People are attacking Jews in the streets and vandalizing synagogues. In Massachusetts in March... Vandals desecrated 59 gravestones in Jewish cemeteries, knocking over headstones and scrawling swastikas on hateful graffiti. I thought Massachusetts was liberal. I thought New York was liberal. I thought they were controlled by Democrats. What's going on here? While the tragic attacks in Pittsburgh and Poway appropriately drew national attention, these attacks, and others like them in communities across the country, are sadly... Less well-known outside the Jewish community, Attorney General Barr said. But they form the daily background of concerns about security and safety that many in the Jewish community feel. I wonder if Eric Holder and libretta Lynch ever talked like this. Or the clown that runs the Anti-Defamation League who was a special assistant to Obama. What's his name, Greenblatt? Not the good Greenblatt, the bad Greenblatt. As Attorney General and a fellow citizen, says Barr, I want to assure the Jewish community the Department of Justice the entire federal government stands with you and will not tolerate these attacks, Barr vowed. Already, Barr's Justice Department has aggressively pursued anti-Semitic hate crimes according to Deputy Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen. Under his leadership, the department successfully convicted eight members of hate groups I'm reading this for a reason. Because in all the reporting on Trump, all the reporting on Trump today, other than the Free Beacon, have you heard this anywhere? Eight members of hate groups for desecrating a synagogue in Nashville, Tennessee. Five individuals for conspiracy to interfere with the rights of a Holocaust survivor in San Diego through a vicious campaign of anti-Semitic harassment. Numerous skinheads around the country for a variety of anti-Semitic crimes. And convicted the neo-Nazis responsible for the murder of the prominent radio host Alan Berg in Denver, Colorado, Rosen said. He also fought against anti-Semitic zoning discrimination in Aramont, New York. Now let me just tell you this. I am no martyr. I am no hero. But if you knew the kind of people who try to get on the air and call into this program, which is exactly why we have a call screener. If you knew the kind of people, what they say about me, and some of whom would like to harm me and my family, you would know why I get furious with Omar and AOC and Tlaib and how the media treat them like some kind of conquering trio. When in fact... For the first time in a long time with a President of the United States who stands up to this. And they try and marginalize him. And turn him into some kind of racist. It sickens my stomach to see this. This is his Attorney General, his Department of Justice who are pursuing these these miscreants, The issue of anti-Semitism and vitriolic anti-Israel activities in America's college campuses received a significant portion of attention by those participating in the conference. Have you ever heard Bernie Sanders talk about this? Have you ever heard Nancy Pelosi? Have you ever heard Chuck Schumer talk about this? Never. They don't want to upset their base, which is filled with haters. Experts and officials alike condemn the Global Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Campaign, or BDS. Which seeks to wage economic warfare on Israel has become a mainstay on college campuses. On college campuses today, Jewish students who support Israel are frequently targeted for harassment. Jewish student organizations are marginalized. And progressive Jewish students are told they must denounce their beliefs and their heritage in order to be part of intersectional causes, Barr said, referring to a cadre of academic causes that seek to demonize Jews in Israel. We must ensure for the future of our country and our society that college campuses remain open to ideological diversity and respectful of people of all faiths. When's the last time you heard the Democrat Party talk about this? Any resolutions? Education Secretary Betsy DeVos touted her agency's ongoing investigations into anti-Semitic activity on college campuses, telling the crowd... This administration is committed to stopping it. We stand firmly against the disturbing rise in anti-Semitism, she said. We also recognize this reality. Jerusalem is Israel's capital. The BDS movement is a thinly veiled anti-Semitic enterprise that aims to eradicate the Jewish state, DeVos said. Have you heard or did you hear any Democrat running for president of the United States speak this way? Have you heard or did you hear any former top official in the Obama administration speak this way? Of course not. They're breeding grounds for anti-Semites. And race baiters. These campus bullies claim they stand for human rights. But we all know BDS stands for anti-Semitism. Education Secretary DeVos said to applause. We are intent on ensuring protection for students across the country. Now, During an early afternoon panel on campus, anti-Semitism, experts worked to expose how far-left and anti-Israel advocacy groups plot to mainstream anti-Semitism. This includes well-known groups such as Jewish Voice for Peace, or JVP, and Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP, both of which have a record of employing vitriolic language that encourages the hatred of openly pro-Israel Jews. And these organizations, ladies and gentlemen, support Omar and Talib and AOC and Presley. Did you know that? Charles Small, director of the Institute for the Study of Global Antisemitism and Policy, called on the Trump administration to launch investigations into grants given by foreign governments to American universities. In many instances, grant money for anti-Israel programs is awarded by some of the Middle East wealthiest purveyors of anti-Israel ideology. The isolation of Jewish students on campus is the goal of these groups, said William Jacobson, a clinical professor of law and director of the Securities Law Clinic. He's also a wonderful gentleman who runs the Legal Insurrection website. Groups such as JVP and SJP are not interested in dialogue or compromise. Their goal is elimination, said legal scholar Eliza Lewin, president of the Louis D. Brandeis Center for Human Rights Under Law, and her brilliant father, Nate Lewin, I might add. The anti-Israel advocacy performed by these campus groups is part of a consolidated and well-funded effort to undermine the state of Israel's existence. She said, I ask you, who are your targets? Pro-Israel Zionists, that's who. Now, isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, this is an initiative being pushed hard throughout the Trump administration. Now, did you hear about this on the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell? No, you didn't. Did you hear about this from NBC Nightly News? No, you didn't. Did you hear from ABC News tonight? No, you didn't. Any of the CNN hosts or anchors? Not one. Including the Jewish ones. How about MSNBC? No. No. You heard it from me. And I'm the target... Of people who support Omar. And I'm the target. Of people who support Talib. And I'm the target. Of people. Who support AOC. Been accused of dual citizenship. And worse. I'm not sitting here whining about it. I'm just disgusted. About the propaganda in this country. And how these women are held up and celebrated by Nora O'Donnell. Doesn't matter if they're women of color or women of no color. Doesn't matter if they're women at all. What matters is their hate for this country, for its greatness, for its diversity, and most of all, for its assimilation into the American culture, which they reject. That's a fact. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. You know, I made the point last night, probably not extensive enough. My buddy Joel Pollack did a great job today, and this fellow Charles Cook on uh, the uh, National Review on the Corner who I uh, who I like to read. He's always very intelligent. Very, very logical. And that is the problem with Omar is her ingratitude. Among other things. I can't read the whole thing, but in party rights legally Ilhan Omar has exactly the same rights as someone born here, and she should without exception. Culturally, though, the idea that Omar does not owe a special debt of gratitude to the United States is ridiculous, as is the idea that Omar's views of the United States should not be affected by that debt. Of course she should be grateful. The United States saved her from a war zone, let her stay, accepted her as a citizen, and then elected her to Congress. If one can't be grateful for that, what can one be grateful for? Should Omar temper her critiques of American politics and culture? That depends. Again, legally, she should enjoy every constitutional protection available. And as a matter of course, she should feel able to take part in the political process on the same terms as everyone else. But culturally, it is absolutely reasonable for Omar's critics to look at her behavior and say, really, that's your view of us? It's absolutely reasonable for Omar's fellow Americans to dislike her and to shun her as a result. It's absolutely reasonable for them to consider her an ingrate, that she is a toxic, toxic presence in American politics. It's absolutely reasonable for them to wonder aloud how a person who hails from a dysfunctional, dangerous place built atop dysfunctional, dangerous institutions can exhibit the temerity, the sheer gall to talk about America in the way that she does. There's a big difference between saying, I oppose current federal tax policy, or I want more spending on colleges, or the president is an ass, and saying that America needs complete rethinking. As the Washington Post makes clear, Omar isn't just irritated by a few things. She thinks the place is a disaster. It's absolutely reasonable for Americans to be alarmed that Omar is being encouraged, both implicitly and explicitly, explicitly, By a wearing number of politicians and public figures, figures who in any sane culture would want newcomers of all stripes to believe the place they'd ended up in was virtuous. Last week, Beto O'Rourke told a bunch of refugees and other immigrants that America was a tainted, bigoted, white supremacist nation, flawed in every particular, stained structurally, to the core, and institutionally set against them. And he did so in public, for public consumption, because he thought it would help him politically. That way lies cultural suicide. It's not only fine for Americans to be appalled by O'Rourke and his ilk. It is necessary. And he goes on. By definition, immigrants to the United States either chose to come here because they thought it was a better, better than where they were born... Or were forced to come here because the places they were in beforehand were too dangerous for them to stay in. It seems to me that it is far, far, far more normal for a person to feel gratitude at being allowed to move to a place of his choosing, a place in which he thinks he'll be happier, safer, richer, or freer than to feel gratitude at merely being born somewhere by accident. This difference also affects what we should expect of immigrants compared to the native born. If those who merely woke up here don't like the status quo, they bear no responsibility for that whatsoever. If those who chose to move here don't like the status quo, they bear a lot of responsibility. Because unlike those who were born into it, they knew exactly what they were getting into. This isn't true for, uh, for refugees, but as discussed earlier, they have their own reasons for eternal gratitude. And he goes on, because he doesn't want to be misunderstood. So, he's exactly right on this specific point. Amar's an ingrate. Talib's parents are ingrates. Talib is the child of two immigrants from the Middle East, Palestinians. The thing she says about Jews and Israel, her... Her cushy relationship with Hezbollah, that should be enough. Instead, she votes on a resolution condemning the president of the United States. And Nora O'Donnell at CBS News simply refers to her as a woman of color. Insane. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's brickhouse levi ncom or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
1: Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811.
0: In one minute, we'll have Liz Cheney with us. But I want to first tell you our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Now, these include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Halesdale College. That is Liz Cheney. How are you, Congresswoman?
2: Hey, Mark. I'm doing great. How are you? Well,
0: you know... I'm annoyed. <laughs>
2: yeah, well.
0: <laughs> You're on the House yep. floor. You see that Nancy Pelosi violates the rules by calling the president a racist. She is ruled to have violated the rules uh, by the parliamentarian, uh, which is announced by the number two Democrat, Steny Hoyer. And then they have a vote. All well, too bad. Uh, her language gets to stay in the record. And uh, we vote that she didn't violate the rules. Now, what kind of a House of Representatives is this?
2: Well, I I, uh, I think what happened today on the floor is an absolute tragedy, and um, it showed that Nancy Pelosi, uh, the Democrats, you know, they're willing to overturn uh, precedent that goes back to the very first Congress uh, about conduct on the floor of the House, about uh, the kind of language that's acceptable on the floor of the House. Uh, in the past, uh, as you know, the last time a speaker's words were taken down was in 1984, and Normally, uh, and as in this case, uh, she was offered the opportunity. You know, immediately it was clear what she had said when she said the president's tweets were racist. Its language is not allowed on the House floor. Uh, she had the opportunity to withdraw her remarks, to rephrase, uh, and she refused to do it. And instead, she stormed off the floor of the House and threw the floor into chaos. Then you had a Democrat abandon the chair. Um, I mean, it was it was really uh, a disgrace and because of the, the sequence of events you outlined, her words were taken down, but then what the Democrats did was essentially um, overturn what the chair had ruled and, and basically said, all right, well, from now on, you know, it's perfectly all right to use the word racist on the floor of the House representatives. And essentially anything anybody says is okay as long as the majority votes, uh, you know, not to strike the words from the record. I mean, it was, it was really um, – I think, behavior by the Speaker, in particular, demonstrating a total lack of regard for uh, this institution, Uh, and I think it really calls into question her fitness to lead this institution.
0: Well, I'll tell you what else calls into her question, the question of fitness for her to lead the institution. You have a couple of members of the House of Representatives who are out-of-the-closet anti-Semites, and it's no surprise that out-of-the-closet anti-Semites say horrific things about their own country. This country, they tend to overlap. You have Representative Omar time and time again, who has said some of the most vicious things about Jews and the state of Israel, which is a Jewish state. And Nancy Pelosi waters down a resolution, so now everybody who criticizes anybody who's criticized uh, or who makes an outrageous statement, and I and I look at this, I, I just you know I try and put the media out of my mind as much as possible the president's tweets. I look at the reaction to his tweets in comparison to the reaction to what Omar has said, Talib has said and done, AOC, where their concentration can't comment. Are we a little over the top with respect to the president and a little under the bottom with respect to these three women?
2: There's no question. I I think that that, you know, the way that they are conducting themselves and, um, you know, you you start with the anti-Semitism and, here you have, once again, a Democratic leadership, and it's Nancy Pelosi and it's Steny Hoyer, uh, you know, two members who claim that they support the state of Israel, who claim that they stand against anti-Semitism. But when it came down to condemning by name Ilan Omar for her remarks, when it came down to the question of do you leave her on the House Foreign Affairs Committee or do you take her off, they have not condemned her by name. And, in fact, she went out and proclaimed that resolution a victory for herself, and they've left her on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and they are—you know—they're playing a very dangerous game. Uh, the, the history of anti-Semitism is absolutely clear. We know that that what starts as words can end up with something far worse. And uh, when elected officials refuse to stand up uh, and and call anti-Semitism by name and, and stand against the evil that it represents, um, then they are enabling it, and that is absolutely what we're seeing. Uh, from our the, the leadership on the
0: Democratic side of the House these days. Let me ask you about Iran. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I'm shocked to read these headlines today. Iran ready to negotiate on its missiles, Trump administration says. Have we not learned that Iran can't be trusted, that they'll lie, they'll say whatever? That they, they just got $150 billion, and they lied in exchange for $150 billion. We're going to negotiate with Iran. Their economy is collapsing thanks to the steps this president has taken. Why don't we continue to put the screws on this regime that's threatening to build ICBMs and put nuclear warheads on them, that has spread terrorism, that's killed thousands of American troops? Why would we negotiate with them?
2: You're, you're absolutely right, Mark. You know, you have a situation where the president came into office, he inherited a total disaster in terms of the nuclear agreement that the Obama administration had signed, had negotiated, uh, and he turned it around. And he pulled us out of that nuclear agreement, which would give the Iranians a pathway to a nuclear weapon. uh, And he imposed this maximum pressure campaign with sanctions um, that's working. And, And, you know, our objective has got to be to ensure, as the president has said, that the Iranian regime never has a nuclear weapon. And that means you've got to continue this maximum pressure regime. It means, for example, we should absolutely uh, not continue uh, or, you know, allow waivers for their so-called civilian nuclear program. Um, it, it's very, very important that we make clear that we're not going to be subject to blackmail, that we're not going to be subject to a situation where as soon as they start to feel the squeeze, we release pressure Um, You know, that's I'll never forget. um, I was in Israel in the middle of the Obama administration, just as the Obama administration had decided that they were going to release pressure uh, in the midst of sanctions that were working and begin the process of the then secret negotiations with the Iranians. And, you know, the Israelis were saying, why in the world would we would would the Americans be doing that? It doesn't make sense. And this is not the time for us to relieve that pressure. Um, in addition, if we go down the path now of negotiating directly with the Iranian regime, uh, you're going to find that our allies around the world are going to question our commitment to the maximum pressure campaign. They're going to have to start looking for other deals to make themselves. Uh, our adversaries are going to see that you know, all that's required is um, you know, some, some uh, lies and sort of going down the path. The Iranians went down with the, with the Obama team. Uh, to get us back to the table and to get us to relieve the pressure. So it, it's really important, uh, in my view, that we don't do that.
0: I don't know why we're afraid of economically pressuring them to the point where um, the people who are who are so abused, imprisoned in their own country, can rise up. I don't know why we, we feign from that. I, 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 this, well, I you, think, yeah.
2: yeah, you know, you're right. And I think the, the problem is that you've got a number of people um, you know, both in the Democratic Party and, and some uh, in our own party, unfortunately, uh, who sort of rush to think that, you know, uh, anything bad that's happening in the world is a result of America's provocation um, and, and really refuse to look at the history of the situation where, you know, the Iranians, ever since the revolution in 1979, have been the world's leading state sponsor of terror. Uh, they have got American blood on their hands. Uh, they have supported and facilitated terrorist operations around the globe. Um, as you've talked about, you know, they've continued their ballistic missile program. They've continued their nuclear weapons development program. Uh, the, the nuclear agreement had nothing near the kind of verification you would need to ensure they weren't doing that. So the question is whether we're America is going to accept that or whether we are going to continue the really successful path the president has laid out to date of, continuing the maximum pressure on the Iranian regime so they understand uh, that that they will not obtain a nuclear weapon and that their other activities have got to stop.
0: You know, I I look at Iran. They're in Syria. They're in Iraq. They're in Yemen. They're trying to blow out the Kurds. Uh, They're trying to encircle Israel. They're backing Hezbollah and Hamas. You know, I, I look at North Korea, which is bad enough. But when this administration came into office, they already had nukes. My concern is if yet another administration falls for this negotiation trap, they will get nukes. And ultimately, they'll get nukes under the watchful eye of this administration.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's clearly their objective. There's no question. And I think it's, it, it's you know, yet one more reminder of how important it is that you know, the United States not withdraw from the world; that we not retreat; that we not pursue a sort of set of isolationist policies. Um, you know, we saw what happens in the Obama administration when the United States does that, and we learned that it leaves a vacuum, and you end up with, uh, you know, nations that do not share our commitment to freedom, that don't share our commitment to free and open economic system, and to uh, freedom of navigation, and certainly don't share our interest in terms of ensuring that our allies like Israel are defended. Those are the nations that fill that void and fill that vacuum. And don't,
0: you, don't you find it interesting? I call them code pink Republicans. Don't you find it interesting that if you don't agree with them, then they consider you a war hawk or a warmonger? In other words, they take positions when it comes to foreign policy that are not unsimilar to Omar and Talib, the Blame America First crowd. Right. Our, Iran's punching us in the nose. We're not doing anything to Iran. We're reacting economically. We have every right to do that. We haven't killed Iranian soldiers. They've killed American soldiers. Um, we're not invading countries. They're invading countries. So how, how do we get crossways like this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to to remember, to come back to the notion of, you know, look, what, what we have to do is— Ask ourselves what's the most effective way to prevent war? Everybody wants to prevent war. What's the most effective way to do that? And there are certainly some people on both sides of the aisle who think that the most effective way to prevent war is for America to retreat or for America to withdraw. Uh, I think that's just wrong. I think history shows that that weakness is what is provocative, that the best way to prevent war, the best way to ensure you can deter your adversaries, the best way to ensure that you can provide the support your allies need is through strength. I mean, it's the whole notion, its Gene Kirkpatrick's notion and Ronald Reagan's notion of peace through strength. Uh, You have to ensure that your adversaries don't have any question in their mind that you have both the will and the capability uh, to take action to protect yourself. And that means that you'll do it if you have to do it. That's the way to keep the peace. The way to keep the peace isn't just to say, you know what, we're going to bring everybody home uh, into, you know, within the United States and hope for the best from uh, these other nations that we know uh, clearly are our adversaries, would like to do us uh, ill, and yeah. uh, we'll take every opportunity they how can man, to do that.
0: How many world wars were started in uh, Kansas?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: I love it when people Not, say, well, that's yeah. 7,000 miles away. Well, of course it is. Right. Uh, but what I have to go, but soon, let me ask you this. Why does Iran want intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads on it?
2: Well, I mean, they, they they you know want the ICBMs. They they want to be able to put nuclear warheads on those ICBMs uh, because they want to dominate uh, at least the Middle East and probably a larger larger portion of the globe. But um, you know, they look back to the history of uh, the Persian Empire and, and uh, they would like to see the United States uh, out of the Middle East, and they'd also but, but like. But my to point see.
0: is, they don't need it to defend themselves. Nobody's attacking right.
2: them. Right. No, I mean, and they you know they're obviously. Um, their their uh, economy is clearly suffering right now under the policy the president's put in place. And, um, you know, it's just it's one reason why it's so important to continue the policy, because it's working. And uh, this, this isn't the time to, to shift course or to let up or to provide waivers to them or, or uh, negotiations to them that, that will lessen the pressure and, and, you know, go down the same path we went down in the Obama administration.
0: I, I am very concerned about what I'm reading tonight because I oppose war. right because I oppose our troops losing more lives to this regime. And uh, I'm really kind of surprised by it. Liz Cheney, I want to thank you. Keep up the good work.
2: Well, thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for everything you're doing.
0: All right, you too. God bless. We'll be right back.
2: Mark Levin.
0: foreign policy is really not much different from Ilhan Omar's or AOC's they condemn the United States, why, what, are we, what are we doing, what are we doing with the Taliban what are we doing with uh, with Iran, why, why are we doing these things, we're not doing anything I don't appreciate the American people being trashed whether it's from the left or the radical libertarians Man, what are we doing those men and women in uniform deserve our respect. They're volunteers. They joined up because they wanted to. And I really don't understand uh, at this point entertaining negotiations with Iran. I certainly hope that's not the case. They're liars. Their end goal is to conquer. That's their perverse view. That is their religious motivation and they've demonstrated it. Now you might say well we negotiate with North Korea well Kim has not murdered over a thousand American soldiers whatever you feel about that it's a separate situation, completely separate and we didn't give $150 billion to Kim how we criticize Obama it's not just on 150 billion dollars not just a financial or monetary situation for his naivete in negotiating with this enemy their economy's cratering we're succeeding the president's policy's working why would they reverse course why would the state department or anybody else for that matter encourage this Rand Paul is a loser forget about him oh Mark, Mark Rand Paul what it's the same. You see, for them, foreign policy is an ideology. For me, it's not. It's about prudence. When somebody's in your face and they say they want ICBMs with nuclear warheads to blow you off the face of the earth, I think you've got to take that kind of seriously. Look at your children and your grandchildren. All right, I'm running out of time this hour. There will be another. When President Trump says America will never be a socialist country, couldn't be more accurate. And that's why it's so troubling that a proposal from the Department of Health and Human Services would move us in that direction. The International Drug Pricing Index would adopt socialist price controls set by socialist foreign countries. Today, Americans get access to cutting-edge therapies for diseases like cancer, nearly two years before other countries. Future holds incredible promise for fighting diseases where right now there aren't cures. The HHS proposal would cripple America's world-leading medical innovation. We would have fewer new cures, than they, and they'd be harder to obtain. You know, bureaucrats, whether they're in there, Obama or Trump or whatever the, whoever the president is, they're going to destroy our health care system. It's called the swamp. We should control costs with market-based reforms. That's what we have in every other area of our society, competition, fostering competition making other countries pay their fair share not with socialist price controls folks keep America great by keeping American in- medical innovation great visit protectmypartb.org protectmypartb.org by Americans for Tax Reform again that's America. That's, uh, protectmypartb.org a <laughs> lot more to cover ladies and gentlemen a lot more and nobody better to do it than I And during this break, run over to Amazon.com, take advantage of Amazon Prime, get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press for $12.67. Unbelievable. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let me have a heart-to-heart with you here. Omar Talib AOC All Americans who love this country should be condemning them. All Americans who love this country should be condemning them and should have been condemning them for months. Their comments are insane hateful, bigoted, racist, anti-Semitic. Their Stalinist politics must be confronted. I don't care what the little Pusians say at CNN and MSNBC. I don't care what the Holocaust-denying New York Times and Washington Post have to say. I don't care what the dim-witted Nora O'Donnell and her anchor man and anchor woman ilk have to say. They're not interpreters for us. We don't need interpreters. We've read what these women have said, we've heard what these women have said, and we don't need explanations. These three women, I'm putting Presley aside, I'm not as familiar with her are not only saying un-American things they are un-American meaning they don't represent the values the beliefs the principles of this country they simply do not they use race and they use their womanhood to political advantage but it has nothing to do with race or womanhood. They don't represent all black people in this country. They don't represent all brown people in this country. They don't represent all Muslims in this country. They're elected from three districts out of 435. Their views are radical. They are extreme. They're poisonous. They reject liberty and individualism they demand centralism and collectivism and uniformity of thought the president of the United States stands up to them some people may not like the way he does it but that's form over substance isn't it these are dangerous people and they are dangerous because of our fawning media our fawning media they create this narrative that the only reason they're criticized is because of their race and their sex. This is what we got from Nora O'Donnell CBS News. This is what we're getting all over the static that's called television. Sometimes it is good against evil. Sometimes it is liberty against tyranny. These women promote tyranny And the tyranny that they promote is evil. It's important to see things clearly, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very important. This mixture of Marxism and anti-Semitism is not new. And it runs counter to everything we believe in in this country. Calling people racists who have the guts political and otherwise, to stand up against this must be rejected by us. I don't care what the Republican Party thinks. I don't care what the news media think. We think for ourselves. Your parents and their parents and the parents before them, Americans, race, religion, no matter, have built this magnificent country. Several million men and women have died for this magnificent country. To have recent immigrants in this country, let's put it that way. Trash virtually everything that's been built, everything that's been fought for, everything that people have died for is unacceptable. They're free to do it. But they're not free to do it without challenge. They can sit there and call people names, the worst kind of names, and use foul language. But don't you dare stand up to them. The media in this country are an abomination. Chuck Todd, Todd. he is a grotesque fraud. He is a liberal Democrat dressed up as a journalist. George Stephanopoulos, a grotesque fraud, a liberal Democrat dressed up as a journalist. Jake Tapper, a grotesque fraud, a liberal Democrat dressed up as a journalist. And on and on and on we go. The evidence is overwhelming, it's indisputable. Why do the media focus on these three freshmen? There are dozens of freshmen who are newly elected, obviously, including so-called moderates from Republican or purple districts. We have no idea who they are. We have no idea what their names are. None. None. Why is that? because the media decide who to celebrate and who to condemn who to promote and who to ignore these media corporations have nothing to do with the framers of the constitution and their intent when it came to freedom of the press nothing do you know why we have freedom of the press it's not intended to empower every miscreant and malcontent And hate American mouthpiece. The purpose of freedom of the press, although they're free to speak and free to write, is to promote America's ideals, America's principles, America's Judeo Christian belief system. That's the purpose of freedom of the press, not to destroy our country from within. That's why I call it an unfree press. To understand American history, to understand the history of speech, the history of the press, is to understand that what's in our faces today has absolutely no connection to our history. None. How do the media in this country today Enhance Americanism, enhance the civil society. They don't. AOC is a backbencher who barely got elected, and they uh, threw a primary. Immediately, she shoots up to the top of the news. Why? Because they want her to. All we heard when Omar and Talib were elected was the first Muslim women in American history. That's it. They didn't check their backgrounds, the things they've said in the past, which are horrid. CBS Evening News last night with Nora O'Donnell, her debut, over and over again, Trump is criticizing women of color, women of color, women of color. But what Nora O'Donnell didn't say, that these women of color have been trashing America, trashing Jews trashing the Jewish state of Israel not trashing any of a hundred another hundred and ninety other countries the progressive left has hijacked has hijacked our institutions our battle really isn't even with the Democratic Party ladies and gentlemen the Democrat Party wasn't controlled by and did not control the media in this country, it would be a small, radical party. That's the truth. A hate party. The Democrat Party has turned into a party of hate, of racism and race-baiting, of bigotry, of anti-Semitism, of chaos and anarchy at war with American institutions. I'll be right back. Don Lemon on CNN yesterday Don Lemon is a punk That's what he is He's a punk And a bully He goes on TV He's in love with the camera Looks into the camera And says what punks say And if you don't agree with him There's something wrong with you Maybe you're racist Don Lemon has made excuses for Antifa Which is a violent violent organization the fact that he still has a television show tells you the state of the media in this country particularly at CNN Don Lemon knows there will be no pushback on his show anybody he has on there they shut down very very quickly and so he goes on these programs and he makes his program and he makes these statements he has a very small viewership but it doesn't matter he is subsidized by CNN, which is subsidized by AT&T. There's no accountability. There's no policing in this so-called profession. None. There are no standards whatsoever. And I'm going to show you. Here is Don Lemon on CNN yesterday. Cut four, go.
1: The president of the United States is a racist. His own words leave absolutely no doubt about that. What he is saying is not racially charged. It is flat out racist. And that's not just what critics say. It's not a point you can argue. There are no both sides here. It's straight up blatant racism. And he is proving it again today, doubling down on his shameful attacks on four Congresswomen of color, Alexandria castro cortez Ayanna Pressley, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, doubling down on his tweets, lobbing the insult that a hallmark of racist, that is a hallmark of racist, why don't you go back to where you came from?
0: Hallmark of racist, really? Now, did he provide you with any news there, ladies and gentlemen? Any objective truth? Did he tell you who these women are, other than they're women of color? Did he tell you what they've said about the country? What they've said about Jewish people? Did he? Not one word. So what is Don Lemon? He's a punk. And he does this every night. And CNM wants him to do it every night. And AT&T wants him to do it every night. Of course, he should be taken off the air. If he wants to be a spokesman for the DNC, or for these ladies, or for Antifa, that's fine. But he's a pretend journalist. He's a fraud. He's a punk and he's not the only punk out there. If Bernie Sanders had his way, ladies and gentlemen, our society would look nothing like it looks today. I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about freedom versus tyranny. He would destroy every free institution in this country. Capitalism. All businesses within capitalism would have to answer to the government. You would not have control over your lives. He would have control over your lives or the entities he would create would. Bernie Sanders has gotten away with this one trick pony for decades. For decades. He's a Marxist. He's not a democratic socialist. There's no such thing. Oh, yeah. People call themselves that, but they can call themselves whatever they want socialism's not about anything democratic. It is a soft spin on Marxism. Where does socialism end and Marxism begin? Well, nobody knows. Because you can't know. But I'm not interested in, in an intellectual discussion about this right now. Bernie Sanders has embraced Omar, Bernie Sanders, has trashed Israel. Bernie Sanders is not a man of faith, even though he was born Jewish. He's a self-hater, and I say that as a Jew. And everybody who's serious knows it to be the case. He's also a self-hating American. What is it about America that Bernie Sanders likes? Is there any private sector entity that he likes? Not a one. He's a loudmouth. He's an old time red. He will embrace any crisis. He will use any imperfection to exploit, to turn American against American. Another punk. Absolute punk. Here he is with the Washington Post today. Cut six, go.
3: Look, uh, if there's anything sadder than having a racist, bigoted president, it is seeing the collapse of the Republican Party. All right. In terms of suddenly becoming the Trump Party and living in fear of Trump.
0: I don't live in fear of Trump. Do you, ladies and gentlemen? What is he talking about in fear of Trump? This is a man who hasn't said a damn thing about Talib's comments, about Omar's comments, about AOC. In fact, he embraces them. They look up to him. He's the leader of the squad. He's the, what shall we call him, the field marshal of the squad. That's about right. Go ahead.
3: No secret, I'm not a conservative Republican. But I know conservative Republicans, and most of them, I think, in their heart of hearts, they're not racist, they're not sexist, they're not homophobes, they, you know, we disagree on issues, that they have not stood up as a party and said,
0: we cannot be the party of racism and divisiveness. What explains that? Now yeah. stop. So there, there's the Washington Post reporter. What explains that? Robert Acosta. Absolute moron. What explains that? So he allows Sanders to promote the narrative, which he agrees with, and then he wants to know what explains that. I don't know, Mr. Sanders, the party of Omar, Talib, and AOC. Maybe you can tell us, you fraud. I'll be right back.
1: The Backbenchers will repeat tomorrow Call Mark at 877-381-3811
0: More than 70 years ago There was a serious self-examination of the media The Commission on Freedom of the Press Also known as the Hutchins Commission Was organized in 1942 By Time and Life magazine publisher Henry Luce To explore whether freedom of the press was in danger and the proper function of the media in a modern democracy. And its report was issued in 1947, five years later. And they concluded in part that freedom of the press was indeed in danger, and for three basic reasons. And I quote, this is from freedom of the Press, of course. First, the importance of the press to the people has greatly increased with the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication. At the same time, the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication has greatly decreased the proportion of the people who can express their opinions and ideas through the press. Second, the few who are able to use the machinery of the press as an instrument of mass communication have not provided a service adequate to the needs of the society. Third, those who direct the machinery of the press have engaged from time to time in practices which the society condemns, and which, if continued, it will inevitably undertake to regulate or control. And the Commission warned, and I quote again, the modern press itself is a new phenomenon. Its typical unit is the great agency of mass communication. These agencies can facilitate thought and discussion, but they can stifle it. They can advance the progress of civilization, or they can thwart it. They can debase and vulgarize mankind. They can endanger the peace of the world. They can do so accidentally in a fit of absence of mind. They can play up or down the news and its significance, foster and feed emotions, create complacent fictions and blind spots, misuse the great words, and uphold empty slogans. Their scope and power are increasing every day as new instruments become available to them. These instruments can spread lies faster and farther than our forefathers dreamed when they enshrined the freedom of the press in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And this commission went on to caution that with the means of self-destruction that are now at their disposal, men must live, if they are to live at all, by self-restraint, moderation, and mutual understanding. They get their picture of one another through the press. The press can be inflammatory, sensational, and irresponsible. If it is, it and its freedom will go down in the universal catastrophe. On the other hand, the press can do its duty, by the new world that is struggling to be born. It can help create a world community by giving men everywhere knowledge of the world and of one another, by promoting comprehension and appreciation of the goals of a free society that shall embrace all men. Is this how the modern media conduct themselves, I ask in my book? Self-restrained, measured, and temperate? Are the media providing knowledge and insight useful to the public in a free society? Are they obsessed with their own personal, political, and progressive predilections and peaks? Have the media earned the respect and esteem of their readers, viewers, and listeners as fair and reliable purveyors of information? Or are large numbers of the citizenry suspicious and distrustful of their reporting? Are the media on a trajectory of self-destruction, unofficially identifying with one political party, that would be the Democratic Party, over the other, the Republican Party? In point of fact... Most newsrooms and journalists have done a very poor job of upholding the tenets of their profession and ultimately have done severe damage to press freedom. Many millions of Americans do not respect them or trust them as credible, fair-minded, and unbiased news sources. And it goes on on freedom of the press. Don Lemon. Jake Tapper. Nora O'Donnell. George Stephanopoulos, Chuck Todd, and the list goes on and on and on. Every day, this is the last example, the latest, with the president and the three anti-Semites, the three American haters, and the press's reaction. We must take back the press. We must have a true free press. Or we can't survive as a republic. As many of you know, I was recently at the Reagan Library signing copies of Unfreedom of the Press for thousands of patriots and Levinites. It was an absolute honor, fantastic experience for my family and me and our friends. The great John Highbush, so many wonderful people there. And for those of you who couldn't attend, I've got really good news for you. Levin TV's cameras were there and captured the entire event. It's inspiring. If you're a big fan of this show and you haven't subscribed to Levin TV, please consider subscribing today to see the Entire Reagan Library book signing event now that includes some of the behind the scenes segments you can't get anywhere else and they're a lot of fun too and if you're enjoying Unfreedom of the Press, you'll want to check out a series of companion episodes we produce for Levin TV which I go through each chapter of the book and provide additional commentary and insight about the absolute failure of the mass modern media today in this country to see these episodes and many more, go to LevinTV.com and sign up tonight. That's levin Enter promo code LEVIN and you'll get $10 off your annual subscription. That's LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com, promo code LEVIN, 10 bucks off your annual subscription. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. All right, let me pull up my call screen, if that is a possibility, and it is. Full screen. I apologize to not getting to you, but there's been a lot that we needed to talk about. Rich Monument, Colorado, the great K-V-O-R. Go!
3: Hey, Mark. Thanks. This is my first time calling in, and I'll tell you you. what, this whole issue is right out of Chapter 5, Propaganda and Pseudo-Events. When Donald Trump's tweet never said one word about racism, never said one word about color, all it said was progressive Democrat congresswoman, and they took this. I mean, immediately, the media took this and said Donald Trump's racist remark on four on the four uh, women, women of, of color. color. And guess what? And guess what? That's been the headline since since the day before yesterday. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's crap. It's total BS. And I'm getting sick and tired of this silliness that goes on, and then these women come on last yesterday. You know, the only reason I found out this tweet didn't say this stuff, my granddaughter. Mm -hmm. My granddaughter said, hey, that tweet didn't say anything like what they're telling you on TV. She showed it to me, because I hadn't seen it yet, and sure enough, nothing there Mm -hmm. about any racist comment, Because the
0: left, whether in the media, the Democratic Party or in academia, what have you, they project and they are projecting this uh, because this is what they want to project day in and day out. Thank you for your call, my friend. Uh, It's just been learned that. Retired associate Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens has passed away. Ninety nine years old. He was a, a left wing activist. He was appointed by. Gerald Ford, he'd been a corporate lawyer, recommended to Ford by then the Attorney General, uh, Levy. I'm just doing this by memory because I remember. Uh, But he became one of the more radical members of the court. And uh, rest in peace, 99 years old, John Paul Stevens. And as a footnote to this, given the nature of the media in this country, uh, somehow, some way you will see over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours that President Trump will be pulled into this uh, and they will try to juxtapose Stevens to Trump you watch it's just very predictable it's very sad it's very unfortunate you know our customs and traditions are absolutely ignored by the media today all right Let's see here. Lee, Bloomfield, New Mexico on KENN, great affiliate. How are you?
2: I'm fine, Mr. Levin. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh, Trump's uh, tweet. I was sitting here thinking, and nobody really mentioned it, that This was a rallying cry from the 60s for those of us in the boomer generation that stood with the troops uh, and the country during the Vietnam War. And Mm -hmm. racism never entered into it. It,
0: You mean the phrase, love it or leave it?
2: Exactly. And if indeed it is racist,
3: I guess I just didn't know that stupid was a color.
0: Now, this is very important, what you're saying, because you're right. Because... In the time period where Trump was a young man, he heard it too, I'm sure, love it or leave it. And it had absolutely nothing to do with race. Zero. Zero. If you don't love your country, you're going to protest against the Vietnam War and protest your country, then you either love your country or leave it. And you're right. That was exactly the phrase that was used, and it was a popular phrase at the time. But the media today know this, and they don't care. The media today... Are not about America. They're not about freedom of speech. They're not about integrity, truth, objectivity. They're on a mission. They are social activists, as I explained in chapter one. Every bit the social activists is AOC, Tlaib, Omar, Sanders, Warren, and all the rest. Lee, great call. Thank you, ma'am. Let's continue. Let's see here. Bob, Rochester, New York, on the Mark Levin app. How are you?
4: Uh, it's an honor, Mark. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. you taking my call. You got it. Um, this, you know, this Kaleeb anti-Semite gang, um, what I call the sisters of hate. Um, the Actually, they, I like that.
0: Of Just because was, they call themselves the squad doesn't mean we have to.
4: Right, but something that was said on your program a couple a week or so ago, um, referred to uh, George Orwell's animal farm um, where um, the language and the manipulation, you control the language, you control the culture. Um, so they're trying to do that. Um, the only thing that's preventing them from succeeding, in some cases, is the Senate. Um, you know, you look at the media, you look at the, uh, these democratic uh, socialists, uh, they're manipula- manipulators, and they know exactly what they're doing when they're putting the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle in. Um, they're setting this up, the, the language to, you know, um, you know, they. they,
0: they I, I uh, agree with you. You're preaching to the choir. As a matter of fact, Chapter 5 of my book, Unfreedom of the Press, News, Propaganda and Pseudo-Events. And that's what you're seeing, propaganda and pseudo-events, or as the president calls it, fake news. I got to run. I appreciate very much your excellent call. We'll be right back. Mark in Justice Stevens retired from uh, the Supreme Court in 2010 to allow Barack Obama to appoint his replacement. That's how far he had moved to the left having been appointed, nominated and then by Gerald Ford in 1975. So he wanted Obama to replace him, and Obama did with Elena Kagan. I thought I should point that out to you as well. Again, not to dump on him, but that's his history. He also would later argue that the Constitution should be changed, and not for the better. He wanted a complete repeal of the Second Amendment. And he became highly partisan and highly political on the bench, as far as I'm concerned. But unfortunately, he's passed away. He lived in 99. And um, I'm sure you'll be hearing a great deal of wonderful things about Justice Stevens as a justice. few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day call from your boss asking you to work the weekend, early construction, right outside your bedroom window on the morning you're trying to sleep in. These are the day ruiners. Or how about when your check engine light comes on? They usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. If your car is five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. Car Shield administrators have paid out close to two billion dollars in claims, and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the best, the ultimate in extended vehicle protection, like I did on my 2010 Camaro. Call eight hundred car six thousand. Mention code Levin. I would do this right now. Call 800CAR6000, mention code Levin, or you can go to their website, carshield.com, use code Levin, that's L E V I N, and you'll save 10%. Carshield.com, code Levin. That's carshield.com, code Levin, or call 800CAR6000. Either way, mention code Levin, you'll get the discount. A deductible may apply a wonderful, wonderful service, which is why we have it. All the products. All the services I mention, I try them first. Headline. Free beacon. Once again, Adam Credo. Iran caught smuggling nuke materials out of the United States. I hope the administration's listening, particularly at the State Department. Carbon fiber has many aerospace and defense applications. An Iranian national was caught by the Trump administration attempting to smuggle uranium. Begzad, but, uh, whatever, Yabad Abadu allegedly attempted to smuggle carbon fiber out of, the, uh, out of America and shipped to Tehran. He was arrested in May 2017 in Germany, later extradited to the United States. He arrived in America this Monday. On Tuesday, the Department of Justice unsealed a three-count indictment, charging him on t- and two others in the plot to export sensitive nuclear materials. Ali Rezo yabba dabba and another yabba dabba, the two alleged conspirators remain at large. The carbon fiber material could be used by Iran to fuel its ongoing enrichment of uranium, which has emerged as a flashpoint in the latest standoff between the Trump administration and Iran. Really? I'm reading some troubling headlines tonight. I really am. The Iranians want to talk about their ICBM missile technology. And the State Department's very excited about this. We have this country on the run. They have 75% inflation. They're exporting 10% of the oil they exported recently. Their economy's a disaster. I do not understand why we would want to talk to them or negotiate with them, or some of the administration might or do. Of course, they want to talk and delay. And wait out this president and hope they get a Joe Biden who will reintroduce the old dear or Kamala Harris and so forth and so on. What a disaster this would be. I'm just speaking as somebody who believes in peace and not war. And America first. I don't care what the Iranian regime wants. It's an illegitimate regime. It rules by threat by power, by force. Okay, the administration says it's not our intent to remove it. Fine. But why would you negotiate with it? They've killed American soldiers. You can't say that about Vladimir Putin or Xi or even Un at this point. But Iran has. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel, all our heroes. Take advantage of... Amazon Prime immediately over there at Amazon.com. $12.67 for Unfreedom of the Press. See you tomorrow, folks. God bless. From
2: the Westwood One Podcast Network.